Have you ever imagined submerging the world in a digital deluge? Is it possible to replicate the biblical apocalypse using pixels? Let's plunge into a new reality where boundaries blur between science, art, and imagination. Join us now in episode 2321 when your hosts, Bill and Sean Johnston, the CG Bros, will tackle the intriguing question, how do I flood the earth using CGI? On the CG Bros, CG Insider Podcast. Hello and welcome to the CG Insider Podcast. If you're a returning fan, it's really great to see you again. And if you're new to our podcast, you know, welcome aboard. In today's episode of the CG Insider Podcast, Sean and I will be providing an answer to another great question submitted to our Ask Us Anything page at thecgbros.com. Uh, this time uh, by Tim in Austin, Texas. And uh, Tim asks the bros, how do I flood the earth using CGI? My name is Bill Johnston, and I'm a veteran in the gaming world, uh, specializing in 3D animation and digital VFX for a couple decades now. And time really flies when you're having fun, doesn't it, Sean? It sure does. I'm his brother, Sean, a professional CG artist and animator in the video games industry. Um, I'm currently a principal animator, and we're really grateful to be your host for this edition of the CG Insider Podcast. By the end of the discussion today, you'll have gained some insights and understanding of how large-scale water VFX are created, including the importance of pre-visualization and planning, all the way through to uh, simulation and rendering and even compositing. Be sure to stick around also to the end where we'll be giving you some of uh, our recommendations for some of the software. You can create your own and other resources um, uh, so you can do that VFX yourself. So thanks again for uh, that great question, Tim. So Sean, there's a, quite a bit to cover on this subject today and hopefully we'll be able to fit it all in. But uh, why don't we just j jump right into the meat of it? Yeah, I'm gonna, I just want to show uh, just a little bit of the early days of CGI animation uh, using, uh, you know, producing water effects. So this is from an early 1981. It's called Carla's Island, and this actually was uh, produced by Nelson Max, of, uh, who is a distinguished professor of computer science at uh, UC Davis. And uh, in fact, he received his PhD in mathematics from Harvard in 1967. Anyway, so he worked at Lawrence Livermore Laboratory, and he was using a Cray-1 supercomputer, and he decided to do this simulation in fact, submitted to SIGGRAPH, and they showed this um, early on in, in the, uh, the early 80s. And uh, this particular uh, video that you're seeing right here is really the, the first CGI uh, water simulation. In fact, I was looking at the Cray computer, the supercomputer, and I was saying, hey, how?" just in my own mind, I was thinking when I was reading this, how does it compare as far as um, processing power compared to, let's say, an Apple iPhone of today. Um, here's some in interesting information just about the Cray before I before we move on. It's it's basically the best known supercomputer of the of that era. It was the fastest in the world at that time. Um, in fact, that that uh, computer was actually caught, the price tag was between five, five million and eight million dollars, and it was pretty beefy. Um, that one offered um, the Cray one was eighty megahertz uh, in processing speed. And compared to uh, the earliest iPhones, that particular uh, iPhone, let's say the 13, has a 600 megahertz processing. So today's, uh, here's a comparison. Uh, for Apple, the Apple iPhone 12 can perform approximately 11 teraflops or a trillion operations per second, which is more than 5,000 times faster than the Cray 2, which came out in 1985 after the Cray 1. So that's that's just tells you how amazing our technology is today and what we've got in our hands. 
Here's a second one. I just wanted to show you this. This is Beach Chair. This is the first water CGI water interaction. In fact, this is 1986, and it was actually made by Pixar in its early infancy as a company. Um, and this is actually a test uh, that they were showing where it just basically touches the water. And it's so simple at that point. It's just a plane. It's a mesh plane, but it's reacting to the chair when it touches the water. And so you can see that. So I thought it was fascinating just going back in some of the the history of, uh, and just in, in my own view of um, water, for example, um, the first one that I can recall, Bill, was the abyss, right? I mean, we saw that huge, huge tidal wave, uh, you know, that was coming through. In fact, it was released in 1989, but they re-released it in 1993 with an additional sequence that was cut from the original film. And I have that actual sequence here where you see this massive tidal wave coming in and, and it actually... Uh, eventually just everybody's running away from the beach. They see it coming. You got the Statue of Liberty right there and it's like dwarfing the Golden Gate Bridge. That's interesting. <laughs> they show the Golden Gate Bridge. So maybe it's coming around the world. Is that Because that looks like the Golden Gate Bridge and then they also showed um, the Statue of Liberty. That was really interesting, that shot. Anyway, this huge thing that's coming out, yeah, so that must be around the world. Everybody's running on all the different coasts around the world and then all of a sudden it stops uh, and just kind of freezes there. So... I thought that was a, a really interesting shot. Yes, that's kind of how, how most of the VFX shots are, are done. There's always people running and, and giant waves about to hit a bridge. I think that's 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 required now in a lot of the, the VFX work that, that, <laughs> that we see on there as far as water, giant, large-scale water. And, and as we've talked about on so many of our podcasts, uh, VFX plays you know a critical role in, in, in today's films. And it really allows the, the Hollywood uh, filmmakers to just bring this jaw-dropping stuff. Here's, a, here's another example of bridges and stuff, but this is this is uh, from Scamline VFX, and uh, basically, uh, you know, in our podcast, uh, you know, we've, we past podcasts anyway, we've talked about how how what a challenge it is uh, to create these kind of effects, and and it really depends on. Uh, you know the the scope of your job and and uh, you know the 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 visions of the artist but uh and unfortunately there isn't a or at least not yet anyway i i like hate to see what ai is coming but there is not a create water destruction button in any of the software uh for an artist to to, to create and Come on. Uh, these these vfx no i'm serious <laughs> anyway it's it, what creating large scale water is a very complex task and it it takes a oftentimes a team of of highly skilled artists uh, using the specialized software uh, to pull off these these uh, amazing effects that we see today. Yeah, it looks like you're showing a little from San Andreas, right? Yeah, this is from Scanline. This is, this is, exactly. Some of that is from San... I think this is actually from San Andreas. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the you know, going back to the first, I remember when I first had my first experience with a kind of water. I remember seeing it uh, in, in the abyss, but then also Waterworld. Uh, Waterworld was one, probably 1995, was the first time that I had seen it, a CG water replacement. Uh, that actually looked pretty photorealistic. I know they always say Titanic 1997 was the first, but I think really it was Waterworld. In fact, that software that they used, uh, Arite, is, was a, it's actually a government contractor that was working with uh, ocean simulation software. And that particular software was used on Titanic as well as Waterworld to replace the, um, the water around the front of the ship. And then, of course, when you saw that Titanic, when it's leaving, leaving port and when it's, it's actually on its voyage, before hitting the um, iceberg, you see you see the water. And so I believe this at, at, at first, and I could be wrong, but I thought Arate at the very beginning was, they were using Lightwave for a lot of the rendering in this particular movie, uh, Titanic, because I remember looking at that going, gosh, 
in 3D Studio Max in the early 90s, I wanted to have the Arate software and they actually made um, digital nature tools uh, came out and, and there was a plugin for 3D Studio Max where I actually used, uh, which is basically a mesh plane. It's kind of, here's, here's, here's an example of a mesh plane. It's just a, a, basically a square grid. Um, this is kind of advanced to today, but that's what they used in the, in, in, in this, um, and the background of these two plates here is they had basically a grid and it was very simplistic. You wouldn't get a lot of, um, you could get a lot of um, undulation, you know, where you see in the normal water uh, when you're looking at the ocean, but that's pretty much it. They didn't have any volumetric um, particle systems that could, that could simulate water at that time. Uh, so it was very simplistic at that point, but it still looked amazing. I mean, it actually did sky replacements and did clouds and things like that. So it, it was great when it came out for 3D Studio Max. Yeah, not much has changed since the old days. I mean, it took a Ray supercomputer and it takes some some pretty heavy resources, a lot, a lot of time uh, to, to create uh, believable water uh, it, because water is so complex because of the way it behaves. And there's so many elements uh, that need to be created in addition to the main body of water. Like a lot of times you've got the flat plane and that we'll talk about how shaders uh, work on that. But, you know, you have to create other things like splashes and foam and and bubbles, mist, and, and even individual water droplets. And then they, they all have to interact with the destruction of buildings and or structures or bridges like we talked about uh, before. Um, so being able to create these effects efficiently requires, you know, to, to simulate or to create these elements separately and then uh, composite them uh, in layers uh, in the compositing stage. Um, that's that's typically how it's it's done today, um, and and the render times. I mean, once you actually simulate the the, the effect, you've got to render it, and you know, rendering times uh, and processing power. You need a lot of that because just of the complex math that's going on when when, when you're when you're calculating these these uh, this motion. Uh, Water is really complex. It's one of the most complex effects a VFR, VFX artist can can try to create just from a sheer resource perspective, um, as well as. Uh, you know, uh, you know, water looks a certain way, and we know how water flows and how it looks. So, creating it in a realistic way uh, is is a real challenge. And a lot of the tools have gotten better, as you mentioned. Uh, and and you know, it, it's just beautiful some of the stuff that's coming out today. But it still requires a, a lot of resources. So, you know, in being able to art balance the the artistic vision with the you know resource and budget constraints um, can be a real challenge. But it's 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 how you it's how you need to create it today. Yeah, the decades and decades of, of research and, and development that's gone into that and the brilliant minds uh, between these engineers that have de you know, developed these algorithms and physics-based um, simulation software uh, is, is, is breathtaking. It really is. Uh, the amount of the, the quality of the renders today that you get and the speed at which you can get those things back, even though they're, they're massively, like you're saying, very, very um, computationally intensive, uh, it's, 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 it's just... Amazing that you can get that look today, along with, um, I know that they're using a lot of um, compositing effects as well. So they'll do lots of layering um, on, on that too. So they'll, they'll have the, uh, the actual simulation that's going on, but they'll also layer in real uh, plates of, of uh, water that, that looks real too. And I'll, I'll go into that a little bit later. But, uh, you know, achieving realistic water involves, um, you know, capturing all those intricate details of, of fluid dynamics. And a lot of times the fluid uh, techniques that they're using um, are really, in movies especially, are really focused on the visual behavior of the water rather than the, you know, scientifically accurate, perfect. You know what I mean? It's just based on the shot. 
So yes, exactly. And for that reason, you you I mean before you even start simulating or creating it, it you, you've got to go to the uh, conceptualization stage. You know, you don't want to just jump in and try to simulate that stuff because of the resources and and time it takes. Because uh, you know it. it it's really challenging. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of these simulations take iteration, and so it's not you. It, you never, like I said, press the VFX button and get the, get get the look you're after. It takes you know, a lot of time iterations basically because you know it never comes out the way you want it. And controlling water, is, is I mean, it's hard enough to do in real life, uh, but right. you know, in doing it in a computer, um, you know, especially when you're trying to match the the VFX supervisor or the director's vision. Um, it goes back. It's a back and forth process. So, you know, even though it might look good to you, oh, the director might say, oh, no, I want the water to go that way or I want the water to, to splash here or to flow that way. And it's 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 very challenging as an artist uh, to, to to, you know, achieve the visual style uh, without doing that concepting first. And, and of course, the storyboarding and previs comes after that, which really helps the, the artists see exactly what you're going to do, because you want to. You want to make sure you 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 build these these shots so that you know from a camera's perspective because you don't want to if you don't see it you don't want to calculate it, and that's that's that goes back to some of my uh, past comments and podcasts where if you don't need to simulate it don't and and that's where you know stock footage comes in and and if nothing else we, we'll talk about that but you know stock footage at least gives a VFX artists maybe some some good reference material to work from, um, yeah and that's that's really important uh, you know when it comes to you know realism uh, of your of your work. Right. I'd, I'd say achieving that balance between realism, realism, you know, computational power, how much time you got for your, for your shot or your or um, whatever you're you're using it for. Um, and then, of course, your choice of, of whether to simulate that or actually, like you said, use um, stock footage or something and do a bunch of compositing on top or a, a mix of, of both of those. But I was kind of thinking about it while you're talking. We do, it's almost like when, when you're trying to simulate facial animation and we know when it's wrong because it looks, it, we, we, we look at people's faces every day and we deal with people every day. And so all these nuances that you see when people are speaking, uh, you know, when it's wrong and it looks Yeah, you don't, odd. you don't want it to look artificial or that's, exaggerated, right? Right. And that's exactly what I, I believe is a sim, similar, uh, similarly uh, complex is water. Um, you, we know what it looks like because we use it every, every day and uh, when it's wrong, it just looks wrong. Um, I, I could say the same thing probably for fire uh, as well, and then smoke. Uh, if it does, yeah, any right. any of those natural phenomena, exactly. Right, because we really, really do know what it looks like. So, um, yeah, it, and then of course we didn't talk about you know rendering and, and lighting, and and so that's that's also what happens with water with refraction. Uh, what what's actually happening with water to give you that convincing. Um, water scenes and accurately simulating how the light interacts. You know, you get your caustics that uh, reflect the light back onto the surrounding uh, objects around it. Um, you know, walls, for example, in a pool, uh, into an indoor pool or something like that. Yeah, here's here's some of that. Here's what that looks like. And those uh, this this looks simple. I mean, it does to probably a lot of lay people, but this is very complex to calculate. I mean, it actually, you're you're bending the light through the water, and and that that, that refraction. Is is probably one of the most time-intensive calculations when you're doing water simulations. Just do it. Uh, use an image map, projection. Well, <laughs> well you can definitely use 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 uh, shaders uh, or textures, you know, basically, and that's that's a, that's what, definitely one way to do it, and it's a real popular way because it, it it's kind of one of the it's, it's probably the base level of what you're doing when you when you're creating your shaders, and a shader is like a material that you you apply to your which. Your 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 simulation or your your particles or your your plane image plane that you're using to to deform, uh, which gives it the appearance of say foam or 
or bubbles or something like that on top on the water surface. It's 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 pretty complex to get it looking right. But um, as you said, it's not just uh, you know uh, transparency and uh, refraction, but it's uh, you know also the re reflections on the water. That's also very computationally expensive. When you see you know and that's what really makes water look like water is is how 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 light reflects off of it uh, and refracts through it. Uh, it, it. That that right there, and that's that go, all goes to the rendering, and that's where the shader water shaders come in. They they use these uh, proprietary oftentimes uh, algorithms to make sure that the it, it looks right, it behaves correctly, um, it distorts you know you, uh, you know just the, the stuff underneath it properly uh, right. as you look through the water. Yes, and then of course it, it, the interaction with it you know is, is the water interacting with its surroundings, such as objects and landscapes and other elements in your scenes. Um, so getting that interaction right in, involves you know, simulating how that water splashes around it. I think you're just showing an image of somebody in the actual water and, and the water is actually going around and simulating uh, and reacting to it and bouncing off and going around it just like a real, uh, real in real reality. Um, and like you said, there's a bunch of mist and spray that happens a lot of times when it's hitting other objects too. And so that's going to be challenging and very you know, complex to simulate. Um, and then, of course, there's also artistic control, you know, where realism is really desired, and that that's crucial to creating visually compelling water scenes. So balancing that realism with uh, that aesthetic that you're looking for, uh, and, and adjusting the water's behavior is, is can be really challenging. Yes, and and to, to more to the you know to the lighting aspect of it, you know that the lighting that really makes the look of the water how 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 it's lit how it how it how it the specular you know qualities of the water uh the shadow that's underneath you know that that really shows you know when it's dark and deep you get to i mean that that's shadowing under the water so being able to to create materials or shaders that that mimic real water uh is 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 one of the other challenges that that affects artists are faced with when they're doing these kind of effects because um, you know, when it, when it doesn't look deep or the water doesn't look deep or it looks like a mat, you know, it's not see-through, it's not semi-transparent anyway. It just really looks like fake. <laughs> right. And, well, uh, yeah. You're not seeing that mirror type reflection off the water surface. You're, you're, you've got to get, uh, get that in there to get that, you know, create that realistic water surface, um, that act basically distorts and reflects that surrounding environment. So I think a lot of, um, the Fresnel, uh, there are different different shaders and how things are, are are actually reflecting. I think we talked about this with with uh, hair hair particles in, in a previous um, podcast. And so basically, the reflectivity and transparency of that surface is changed by wh where the viewing angle of uh, is. And so, you know, if you have you know Fresnel effects cause that water to appear more reflective uh, when viewed at uh, different angles and more transparent when uh, viewed straight on, like you're saying. Yeah, and, and stock footage, as you mentioned, is a very valuable resource when it kind of comes. It doesn't. It doesn't make the. You know, it doesn't make. And we talked about this in, in podcast twenty three twenty, where, you know, you know, should I use stock footage instead of CGI? It 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 doesn't. It won't fulfill probably the, your requirements uh, for the shot, but it, it can certainly enhance it when you when you or augment it. You know, you can put it. You can make it, it com composite splashes where you you know you wouldn't have to do a separate splash simulation. Um, and you can see in this particular sh clip I'm showing, you've got the main mass here, and you you've, that's a you've tutorial, I believe. Yeah, that's from Grace VFX, by the way. That's, nice. Uh, they do a great, and they're using Houdini, which oh, is Houdini the, is so the, the premier 
package for, for doing this. But we'll get to the software in, in just a little bit. But uh, it's, it's just, it's just there's so many different techniques. It just really depends on what you're trying to achieve and what the director's vision is and, and the scale of the effect, particular effect, uh, what approach you, you take and what software tools you use. Right. And, and so you, you, those scenes you're showing right now, it's like, okay, well, what happens if I, I don't have somebody who knows how to use that software? Using uh, stock footage, which we talked about in our last podcast, it can be cost effective to use stock footage. Um, so compared to doing a CGI water simulation from scratch. So um, you need a specialized software, of course, um, and highly skilled artists uh, to, to create those effects. And uh, stock footage, on the other hand, can be um, of pre-existing water footage and, and it can be a license at a lower cost, making it uh, another attractive option for budget-conscious uh, filmmakers and um, indie filmmakers. Yes, and water effects are generally used, uh, are created, I should say, uh, using particles, millions and millions, sometimes billions of particles collected. Gazillions. Gazillions, exactly. And, and what that really does is that it, each particle, you don't see these individual particles, but uh, when they're, when they're uh, collectively, you know, put together collectively, they form the appearance and the behavior oh, of water. So these are, these are all, this is from, uh, gosh, five days uh, I believe is this is about the when the levee breaks. That looks uh, amazing during Katrina. Yeah, some pretty pretty great uh, stuff. And and basically, you you have you, uh, these objects called emitters, and they they shoot out the particles into the digital environment. And um, you know you 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 manipulate attributes like the you know the the how, how the velocity of it, the the flow of it, the rate, the or even the initial state of where, you know how it starts out. Uh, and these are all done with particles, and you can be you can manipulate these particle attributes to 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 tweak how they how they interact with the objects and how they interact with each other. Because particles, you know, the water bounces off itself, so you have to ha all these particles, uh, these millions have to have to be smart and, and are calculating the collision with each other as in addition to the the geometry that that they're flowing over, which uh, really makes. You know, makes it extremely complex, and as you can see here, you know it's, that when it hits an object, it generates splashes and foam and and mist, and those are all all have to be calculated separately uh, because you, there's just no way to calc to, to, to simulate these things together. Um, but particles is the is the is the main way that that this is done, right? Uh, and this also here's here's an, uh, from uh, hereafter. Uh, this was this was a, a movie about the uh, the Boxing Day. Uh, tsunami in um, 19, or I'm sorry, in, in, this is actually uh, in 2004, actually. Um, so the, the tsunami that happened in uh, Thailand. Um, and so uh, this particular shot, it shows um, um, the, the, the water coming in and, and smashing into, uh, you know, basically going over all those people and then smashing into the hotel and everything else like that. And there's another film called The Impossible, uh, which was really, really good. It also depicted the same uh, 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami uh, in Thailand. And, and in fact, that, that shot actually real, re, uh, used practical effects. And it, I think it looked better. <laughs> the practical looked much, much better. I know um, it's hard to simulate water and make it look really, really real. I think a lot of times uh, if it's darker, it, it, it looks better. Uh, and if you're in broad daylight, it really... Um, I don't know. It's getting much, much better. I, I, I agree. It is. It is getting better. But uh, anyway, that's my my opinion there. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's it's very difficult to create realistic looking water. I mean, there's effects on the water, turbulence, and, and wind. Even it plays an effect on the surface, and uh, you know, surface tension and the viscosity of the water. You know, how much debris is flowing in the water. Those are all 
things that that really lend that uh, that uh, realism uh, to it. And and of course, rendering. In the end, it's rendering. Uh, you know the how the how does the light go through and that that that's that's really critical so if you're going to be doing any of these effects and we'll talk about some software here in a second uh, to be doing these you, you want to make sure that you you you've got a good renderer that can use those shaders and those materials to to you know really really make it look right and you're right so, you know it's it, there's still a cg look to a lot of this stuff and this is this is a scene from 2012 um one of the best large scale flooding Flooding the I've world. Ever seen. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, there, there's there's uh, different you know methods to doing this, but you know, it's hard to get realistic looking water. And and it, having a good renderer, say like V-Ray, uh, is, is is will only help 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 you out. Yes, and that that simulation was using uh, Flowline, which is uh, used by uh, developed by Scanline VFX uh, Studio, and they they've actually um, sublicensed that to. MPC for a lot of their their um, water effects too. So let's get into some of the software real quick uh, that we've talked about. Houdini, of course, and that's developed by Side Effects uh, Software, and that's basically probably the most popular used uh, mm-hmm. for that advanced visual effects and simulations. And it's uh, it's probably one of those, probably the most powerful fluid dynamics. Uh, it's definitely tool. the go-to standard for for that these days, anyway. Exactly, and then of course you mentioned Real Flow. Um, they make that for 3D Studio Max as well as Maya. Um, that's developed by Next Limit. That's actually a, a good software you can use. Um, do you want to uh, list any others? Uh, well, you can use Phoenix HD as well uh, by Chaos Group. They do a pretty nice uh, bunch of stuff. Uh, Blender, you can even buy Blender, and that's free. It's an open source 3D animation software package that has some pretty nice water sim tools. You're not going to get you know, the look of some of these uh, more sophisticated tools like Flowline from Scanline, but... Uh, you can do some pretty cool stuff with it uh, as, as well. Yeah, and at Bi- Bifrost, that's developed by Autodesk. Uh, you can, I believe you can download that right off the, the internet right now. If it's not even part of, of Maya, I don't know. Um, but um, it provides simulations for liquids and gas and as well as uh, fluid dynamics. Um, and there's other ones that are, there's some that have come and gone and some have been purchased. Like Nyad was another one that uh, I, I believe is probably Bifrost, um, but I'm not sure. Um, but uh, Autodesk purchased that uh, a while back in, I think, 2008, 2010 timeframe. Yes, it actually is for, it's for both Autodesk Max and Maya as well. You can you can use that Bifrost in either of those Autodesk products. Uh, gosh, I can't believe how fast this has gone by, Sean. Uh, Me too. Uh, we just want to thank you for being part of our podcast today. And we had a really great time answering Tim's question, how do I flood the earth using CGI? And we hope you enjoyed our discussion, that you did learn something that you didn't know along the way. And if you did, uh, please share it with some of your friends. We, we believe it's imperative to learn at least one thing new every week. And if, if you did learn something, share it around because we, we think word of mouth is the best kind of advertising. And uh, if you'd hit that like button too, that, that really helps us out a lot because uh, it trains YouTube's algorithm to help uh, you know, channel the, the stuff that you'd like to see uh, uh, to you. So um, we really appreciate that. And uh, if you haven't... Uh, uh, checked out uh, our YouTube channel. Be sure to do that. Um, and, uh, you know, if you'd like to leave a comment on, the, let us know of a future podcast that you'd like us to hear, go to our website at thecgbros.com and up to the About Us tab and click a, on the Ask Us Anything drop down, uh, just like Tim did. Yep. Bill and I are always looking to make our podcast better and more interesting and useful to you. So we need your input very badly. <laughs> leave us a comment below. And if you do know guarantees, there's a good chance uh, that we'll read it during one of our uh, future podcasts and mention you by name. We're bringing you a new cutting-edge edition of the CG Insider right here every week. 
where we discuss everything having to do with computer graphics, CGI, animation, digital VFX, video games, and other cool and interesting related topics. Um, yes, and you can find, don't forget, you can find audio versions of this podcast on all the major podcast platforms as well. So you can just listen to us whenever you want to. If you haven't checked out the CG Bros YouTube channel yet, what are you waiting for? Come on now. Uh, it's your front row seat for some amazing CGI short film entertainment created by some of the most talented new media producers and VFX studios out there today. So, uh, oh, you'll also find some cool VFX breakdowns and uh, behind the scenes uh, making ofs as well. And I just put some new ones up there too from MPC and um, Goodbye Kansas. Uh, check those out. Um, so we're excited. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we can't wait to see you here for next week. So I'm going to take you out with a little Evan Almighty. Uh, for next week's podcast, where we'll be answering another great fan question. Uh, how are game engines used for creating movie VFX? That's going to be an interesting one. Um, awesome. Can't wait. Well, that does it for today. We sure hope you enjoyed the CG Bros answer to the question, how do I flood the earth using CGI? Thanks for being with us. Did you enjoy the show? We'd love to hear from you. Click the super thanks button on YouTube to show your support. Your tip helps us obtain more high quality content for you to enjoy. And leave a comment and thumbs up for a chance to be mentioned on a future podcast. If you're not yet following us on our channel, please hit the subscribe button. Subscribing is free and ring the bell for instant notification when new episodes are posted. Share our videos with your friends on social media and follow us for all the latest news and projects. Want to listen to the audio-only version of the podcast? You can find us on all the major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. And here is a free bonus. If you'd like even more insider information delivered right to your inbox, become a CG Insider by subscribing to our free CG Insider monthly newsletter. Go to our website, thecgbros.com, and sign up. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. And be sure to join us for the next episode when the CG Bros will answer the question, how are game engines used for movie VFX? We can't wait to see you there. This has been episode 2321 of the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. Thanks again for watching. We'll catch you next time.